0: Welcome to Bit First Byte, a weekly podcast about the web design industry, tools and techniques upcoming and in use today. I'm Adam Lestick, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. If you'd like to help support the show, please tap the link in the episode's description if you're using the Anchor application, or visit anchor.fm bit v byte to become a monthly supporter. So starting off with some news. DigitalOcean released their Marketplace. And what's really cool about this is that it is a place to essentially spin up a pre-configured service when you need it just to try it out. It kind of combines the fact that DigitalOcean already has the ability to very quickly spin up VMs and environments. And they've been slowly building out the infrastructure around those. So this kind of combines all of that to say if you just want to try out Grafana, or if you want to try out, um, there's a ton of them on there, but any number of these types of things, maybe different databases or, you know, chat rooms like Discord or something, that you can just spin it up, try it out. What's cool is that they kind of walk you through each, you know, what's on the VM, what what it's going to do, how to get started, and what you need to do. You know, you can automate to a certain degree, but you know, every once in a while, it's a couple extra steps to kind of finish installing, customize it to what you want. But it's a great service to really try something without being committed. So it could only cost you a few cents to really spin it up, check it out, and then if it's not what you want, just trash the thing. And if it is, well, you can add it into your collection of VMs and services, but it's pretty cool. So check it out and see what you you know like and see what's good about it. and. More importantly, what's missing and what they can improve on. Uh, Git 2.21 released a little bit ago. And uh, the two things that stood out for me with this was human readable dates. going to make it a little bit easier. Though oftentimes if you're using an application, say like Visual Studio Code or any of those, that you're not really going to ha- see that problem as much. Uh, but they do now do... Detection of case-sensitive path collisions, which I've run into that a number of times uh, just by nature of renaming things, and I like things named a certain way sometimes, so I've often unfortunately confused that. So it's going to be kind of a handy thing with that, Uh, and plus a bunch of performance improvements, uh, which is always welcome, especially if you're working with large repos and has a lot of history. So definitely something to check out and certainly upgrade. Microsoft Windows, there's a light version that they're toying around with. Um, Well, probably toying is not quite the right word for it, but uh, Petri.com, which has been covering Windows stuff for pretty much forever, uh, they had an article about a Microsoft quote unquote light OS. And it seems like it's an idea to create a strip down OS to somewhat compete with, say, Chrome OS and those types of operating systems, and it sounds like what they're kind of putting people into the buckets of a heavy and a light user, and it looks like it's going to start with uh, universal Windows programs and those progressive Windows applications, or I'm sorry, progressive web applications, the ones that don't require a ton of backing infrastructure that the Win32 traditional you know, programs have that's a lot of Legacy information or a legacy code that needs to be there to support it. And so it's going to be an attempt to try to unify the OS into these two different versions, uh, but not having a completely split off version like they've tried to in the past, like um, Windows RT. And so if they can do this, it's not necessarily a bad idea. You know, I very much enjoy Chrome OS because it's an OS you really don't have to worry about for the most part. Perfect for kids, in my opinion. Um, and so if they have something similar for Windows, yeah, you know, I'm all for it. So we'll have to see where this goes. It's very early. They really haven't announced anything. So it's going to be interesting to see where this goes from there. And then OBS uh, 23, version 23, released. And that's Open Broadcaster Studio. And it's an amazing product as is, which is a open source way to stream and record Uh, video, and audio, and you can have different scenes and all this kind of stuff. I absolutely love it. It's a fantastic product. But with their version 23 release, uh, they're doing a bunch of stuff to do these service integrations with products such as Twitch. Uh, I may not use it as much, but a lot of people use it for that. Um, They're doing a bunch of dockable panels, which just makes organization of your Windows and everything a lot easier. They have an updated... NV encoder, uh, so the NVIDIA encoder, which, you know, if you have that as a graphics card and you can offload the encoding to it, fantastic. It's even better now. Lower CPU percentage. They added some limiter and expander filters on, which is pretty cool. I, I used to have to pull the audio out separately and treat it then, but now it's all in one. And they did a dockable stats panel, which when you're doing this, you're really looking for drop frames. If you're, you know, losing your average frames per second, you really want to stick at that thirty. For example, it's so it's handy to have that dockable and off to the side, and you really can keep an eye on it. So overall, an extremely solid release. Very cool. And if you use that or are looking to use that kind of thing, check it out. Moving on to some links and resources. A couple cool things out there. Perishable Press has released their 7G or 7th generation firewall in beta. Uh, so what this is, it's actually a series of Apache rewrite um, commands, I suppose, uh, usually using their htaccess file. And it's an excellent uh, firewall that's been used and iterated on over the years. And what it does is it just kind of gets rid of all those malicious junk requests. Obviously, never going to get everything, but it gets a vast majority. Um, The only downside is that it's for Apache only. You know, I personally use Nginx. I have used a version of it that's been converted over to it. So I'm looking forward to see when the 7G is out there uh, to convert that over Nginx and use it there. But a really excellent uh, tool and certainly pretty easy as it's usually just drop it in and it just works. So check it out. There's an amazing regex cheat sheet by Emma Wedekind, if I'm saying that right, hopefully. Uh, but she put together this excellent uh, regex uh, kind of guide for common operations, what you might need to do. And regex is not an easy la- or, uh, tool or language, I guess, not really a language but a set of commands that allow you to manipulate text and uh, search in very unique ways. And it's often hard to figure out. I'm certainly no expert at it, but I can make do. And having something like this is just a lot easier to have at hand when you need to do those kinds of things. So check it out. And finally, an article on CSS Tricks about responsive design and using CSS custom properties within it and what I find cool about this is it's just combining a bunch of different newer technologies together to come up with solutions that may be incrementally better than before so having the ability to do these custom properties to quickly you know re-architect a bit how your responsive designs are working is just a really cool application of that technology so Pretty neat. Uh, Check it out and see if it helps you. So finally, I want to talk a bit about a, a touchy subject, a difficult one, and that's policing social media. Now, there are a myriad of problems and things that are cropping up all the time with this. And for all its promises and potential, there are just as many pitfalls and problems being introduced. And I think that, unfortunately, no matter what, this is kind of the problem uh, inherent in the evolution of these kind of tools growing up, being consumed by large audiences, and the general population just, this is new to everyone, you know, even though we could say that, yeah, it's been around for a while, in, in the span of civilization, even the span of technology, I mean, this is a very new ability for the world population to really be able to connect and converse at such a level with such speed. So with that, there's just a lot of inherent problems, a lot of inherent difficulties with this. Which I think one thing to, you know, talk about is the speed of new information. As can be seen with recent tragic events, uh, there is just an incredible quickness that New information, new videos, new uh, tweets, new audio can very quickly spider out into the entire internet and be very difficult to break, you know, take down, if ever. The problem is, there's always going to be places that information will hide and be kind of squirreled away. And you might be able to hide from the larger population, but it shows just how quickly and how far this information can go. So, if you think about that, like, how do you police something like that? How in the world do you manage uh, that type of information? And so, yeah, the amount of resources you might need to throw at something like that is, is pretty daunting. Um, I think it's a very reactionary world right now. And it's difficult because the technology really isn't there to preemptively know uh, what's. Inherently bad uh, or difficult, especially with as things have come out, you know, live streams that may or may not actually be all that um, right in the beginning uh, obvious that it's such an awful thing. Uh, very quickly, of course, that happens, but what do you do in that situation? How does a social media site manage that? And so with the speed of new information, it is a difficult, difficult problem, especially when you're giving everyone the ability to essentially throw their voice out to the world, record that, and then disseminate it very fast over the entire globe. And that kind of goes right into the scale of information. I mean, if you look at YouTube and uh, other services like that, the amount of videos that are being uploaded any given minute is huge it's a tremendous amount of data and to somehow have an ability for either humans or you know ai to actually go through and determine what is good and bad it's it's an enormous challenge even with the what is looked at near unlimited computing abilities of some companies it's just too much and so that kind of goes with the fact that when you do have humans and you do have ai looking at it there's a lot of gray area. You know, what counts as something truly awful or something that's just kind of you know, maybe not, you know, socially accepted, but is it bad or is it free speech? People say that kind of thing. And where do you draw those lines at? So it's already a very difficult thing to police and and to do. And so there's always that constant evolution of new technologies, new problems, new things coming out that evolve the response, and if it's not going quick enough, then that's going to outpace it, which is almost always the case. So you have this balancing act of allowing people to have these kind of, you know, ability to really create amazing things, put themselves out there, but how do you balance that against all the bad? And then how do you have the scale of information, the speed of information managed in such a way that you can actually do something about it. And so technology alone is certainly not going to solve this. I think one of the most frustrating things that most of these platforms seem to have is it almost feels like there's not a clear sense of rules. And even though there are a lot of rules and they are stated, there's always this gray area. And that's life in many ways, but not knowing exactly when you cross it or when you don't and, and knowing like this is a hard and fast rule of this is going to be taken down or this is going to stay up, that's difficult. And people always skirt and find ways to kind of go around it, so it's an ever-evolving tool, but that's so difficult uh, to really nail what is truly that area that you know means that the information will stay up or come down. And so there's that balancing act and it is truly a challenge, because you can throw more people at it, uh, but then everyone has their own biases, their own views of what is good and bad, and having those really clear policies, and especially for the people that do get their videos taken down, you know, be it correctly or erroneously, what rights do they have to appeal? And so oftentimes it's a process that does not go quickly. And I think that's the other problem with it is. Maybe even if you have a much more aggressive uh, filter on it, and there are a lot more false positives on that, if you had a clear reason why something was taken down and a quick remediation ability to, you know, then resolve that if, if it does happen, I think that would go a long way to, you know, resolving some of the concerns. The problem is they're just not that. and. And that might be partly too because of the scale of you know information. If you're having you know 10,000 hours uploaded you know every 20 minutes, say, how do you manage that? And then say even two percent of it is you know problematic, and you have to get back to those people. It makes it very difficult. And that's not even counting the cost you know the human cost of watching all this, of seeing these horrible things, and then. Making judgment calls on the stuff that's in between, it is a truly difficult problem. So I do think somewhat some of what's lost in the conversation is, well, how how do we manage this, and is it even appropriate? I mean, maybe there is a point to scaling it all back. You know, there's been certainly a ton of studies showing that many of these networks are not healthy for folks, and some of that I think is just the evolution of figuring out what is good and bad about all this. But of course, there's a lot of casualties along the way in in, in that regard. And so what do we do? Where do we go from here? Is there a new type of social network that needs to be kind of created out of this? A a new way of sharing information that perhaps is more personal in some ways, uh, that doesn't have a lot of the baggage that is associated with Sharing or seeing all this kind of stuff, but it's still a way for people to connect in in communities around the world. There is a lot of good that's come out of it, but at the same time, a lot of bad. So I just think it's going to be one of those that remains to be seen where we go from here, but it is a truly difficult problem. And it's one of those that every time something new comes up, something new has to be developed. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. I, I would love to get people's input and and thoughts on this, it's almost more of an introspective kind of like, what do we do? What's best for humanity kind of thing? But it's it's really an important problem. I think that's going to be one that's almost going to be as important as many other challenges that we face in the coming years is what do we do with these networks that facilitate this human information transfer? Because we shouldn't throw away everything that's good about it, but we need to find ways to make it healthy and helpful for the rest of the world. So I'll leave it there. I want to say thank you for uh, tuning in and follow this podcast on Twitter at bitvbite and Facebook at slash bitvbite. Thank you for listening and please join us next week.